You may be seated. Keep the attitude of prayer because I just hear the word safe. We are safe in God's presence. In him, we are safe. So I don't know who needs to hear that. I don't know if fear has been plaguing you. I don't know if rejection has been plaguing you. I don't know if people have been saying things to cause fear. But in God, we are safe. That first song that you sang, not Lord, I need you, but the one before that. Who you say I am. Who you say I am. I can't remember the chorus. But as, as we take refuge in him, it's like, it's like, you hear the word adulting now among the younger folks that talk about how they hate adulting. And for us who are middle-aged and older, it's like, uh, that's called life growing up, right? But sometimes in that adulting can come fear and anxiety. And, and that's what he's countering. That's what he's saying right now. That's what he's countering. There is safety in him. But how do we get safety in him? By taking refuge in him. By taking time to sit at his feet and worship him. And to fix our eyes on him. To take our eyes off of circumstances, off of what people are saying, off of what the slander is whispering in our ear. There is safety in Jesus Christ. Um, well, before we take communion, does everyone have um, the communion elements? And if you don't, raise your hand. And um, we've got one up here. Just keep your hand up. We're going to take communion together. Um, we'll take the bread and the juice together this morning. And... Um, Everyone here is welcome to take communion. You don't have to be a part of Baseline to do that. It is very important that Jesus is your Savior. I will say that. I had a few scriptures come to mind last night when I was thinking about communion. You know, the Last Supper, it was a Passover meal, wasn't it? And in the book of Luke, he divides this meal into two parts. The first part of the meal described the old Passover meal. And then the second part described the new Lord's Supper. And that's in Luke 22, starting at verse 13. They went off to the city and found everything Jesus, just as Jesus had said, and they prepared the Passover meal there. And when the time came, Jesus and the apostles sat down together at the table. Jesus said, I have been very eager to eat this Passover meal with you before my suffering begins. For I tell you now that I won't eat this meal again until its meaning is fulfilled in the kingdom of God. Then he took a cup of wine and gave thanks to God for it. Then he said, take this and share it among yourselves, for I will not drink wine again until the kingdom of God has come. 
You know, that Passover meal that they partook together commemorated Israel's release from bondage in Israel. That's why they celebrate that. It also represented the old covenant that God made with the Israelites. Luke 22, go on to verse 19. He took some bread and gave, gave thanks to God for it. Then he broke it in pieces, and he gave it to the disciples, saying, This is my body, which is given for you. Do this in remembrance of me. See how he's changing the Passover meal and representing the, no, the new Lord's Supper. And after supper, he took another cup of wine and said, This cup is the new covenant between God and his people. An agreement confirmed with my blood, which is poured out as a sacrifice for you. The new Lord's Supper celebrates our new covenant with God, made for all peoples, all who choose to believe in Jesus. And Jesus' death was the moment that new covenant began with you and me. Jeremiah 31, verse 31. The day is coming, says the Lord, when I will make a new covenant with the people of Israel and Judah. This covenant will not be like the one I made with their ancestors when I took them by the hand and brought them out of the land of Egypt. They broke that covenant, though I love them as a husband loves his wife, says the Lord. But this is the new covenant I will make with the people of Israel after those days, says the Lord. I just love how God sets things up then for the future. Prophecy. Isn't that awesome? I will put my instructions deep within them, and I will write them on their hearts. I will be their God, and they will be my people. And they will not need to teach their neighbors, nor will they need to teach their relatives, saying, You should know the Lord, for everyone from the least to the greatest will know me already, says the Lord. And I will forgive their wickedness, and I will never again remember their sins. This new covenant includes having God himself through the Holy Spirit living inside of us. That's what I believe those last verses is talking about. He lives in us. God, the creator of heaven and earth, through his spirit, dwells within each and every one of us. It is right that we remember Jesus' death when we take communion because his de in his death, we get to have life. It is equally right that we also anticipate the future coming of God's kingdom. His second coming is going to happen. His kingdom will be established here on earth, and that is something to rejoice about. So as we think on the bread... He said it was his body broken for us. He broke his body for us that we may be healed. Mental healness, emotional healness, physical. He's God. He includes all of it. There is no, oh, except for that part. His body was broken that we may be healed. We need to just think about what he did for us and celebrate so let's take that bread. 
There was one time I was in a church and I can hear breaking everywhere. And there are some people who like to break it. You hear that snap? He broke his body for us. Thank you for that. Let's take it together. And then his blood was shed. The ultimate sacrifice that we may have life. How about abundant life? And freedom. Thank you, Jesus, for your blood. We remember what you did for us. Let's take his drink together. Well, this morning, we have a Radiant School of Ministry student, Tiffany Elieff, come. And before we give her a round of applause, um, her family, her parents are here to support her. Her friends are here. Um, I know she's going back for her third year. Um, this week, she's been out raising funds to help cover that, if I understood correctly. And I know that the third-year students who are going into missions, which is what you're doing, uh, they go on long, long mission trips. This is what she is living for. This is what she's doing. Let's give a round of applause for Tiffany. Good morning, everyone. Can you hear me? This is, all right, sweet. Um, happy Independence Weekend. Um, so today, I'm going to be speaking out of 2 Samuel chapter 16, and my Bible's backwards, um, and I'm going to give a little bit of context around where this is taking place. So this is about King David, and um, King David um, at this point is actually running away from his son, so his son um, Absalom is trying to rebel against him and take over the throne, basically, um, which is pretty devastating, like, as a father, as you can imagine. So um, where I'm going to read is David, King David's actively, like, fleeing Jerusalem because um, his son has basically got all of Israel to um, turn against King David and is now trying to fight him to take over the throne, basically. Um, so I'm going to start in verse 5, and we'll go to verse 12. It says, As King David came to Behirim, a man came out of the village, um, cursing them. It was Shemei, son of Gira, from the same clan as Saul's family. He threw stones at the king and the king's officers and all the mighty warriors surrounding him. Get out of here, you murderer, you scoundrel, he shouted at David. The Lord is paying you back for all the bloodshed in Saul's clan. You stroll his throne, and now the Lord has given it to your son Absalom. At last you will taste a bit of your own medicine, for you are a murderer. Why should this dead dog curse my lord the king, Abishiah, son of Zeruiah, demanded? Let me go and cut off his head. No, the king said. Who, are you, or who asked your opinion, son of Zeruiah? If the Lord has told him to curse me, who are you to stop him? Then David said to Abishai, and to all his servants, my son is trying to kill me. Doesn't this relative of Saul have even more reason to do so? Leave him alone and let him curse me, for the Lord has told him to do it. 
and perhaps you will see that I am being wronged and will bless me because of these curses today. Um, so I actually read this about a month and a half ago, and as I was reading it, it actually like convicted me quite a bit. Um, the response that King David gives was like stunning to me. I was fully expecting him to be like, yeah, chop off his head. Like, he has no right to talk to a king like that. Um, and just everything, like, around the situation, David's being hunted by his son and is, probably has a lot of trauma and hurt from that, as you can imagine. Like, he's kind of going through it. But um, one of the main things that stuck out to me, um, the first point, is that David was not quick to react, and he also wasn't the first one to react. Um, if you, all of us have been, like, condemned by someone or, like, someone's coming at you, and your first reaction should be to, like, defend yourself or, like, you know, um, like, say something back. But it actually was his servant who was the first one. He was like, let me go cut off his head. And David not only didn't react to the situation, but he also defended the man who was coming at him and trying to attack him. He was throwing stones at him and his men who he had fought with for, I'm sure, a long time. And that really stood out to me um, because that would be my first reaction is to react poorly to the situation. And um, when I was around 10 years old, I, uh, I was a pastor's kid, and um, I went to a youth group, and one of the girls in my small group, she... Um, was about probably two grades above me, quite a bit bigger, and for some reason, you, you always have those people in your life that you just kind of butt heads with, you know, and you don't necessarily get along with that well. Um, and she was one of those girls for me. We just never got along. And I remember one Wednesday, we, for some reason, we were just like arguing back and forth, and we were kind of out in one of the areas hanging out with both of our different friend groups, and I remember... Um, she started, like, basically being a little bit mean to one of my friends. And it was, like, kind of okay, and I was getting a little defensive. But then um, I remember she swore. And I thought, as a little 10-year-old, a pastor's kid, like, that's where I draw the line. <laughs> and I was, <laughs> like, absolutely, I thought that was the worst sin anyone could have ever committed. So my immediate reaction was to swing and punch her right in the shoulder. <laughs> and... Not only, if you've ever been punched by a 10-year-old girl, it's not, it's not going to really do anything um, except for just make her more angry, more like boiling mad. So I punched her, and it didn't really hurt, I'm sure, but she's quite a bit bigger than me, so she just started chasing me. And I was running throughout the church. I finally got into a room where a lot of my leaders were, and they addressed the situation, and um, we both got talked to, but it came out that I hit her, so I was really in the wrong, even though I was defending my friend. And I realized later that if I would have just went to a leader to begin with, which I ended up having to do anyway, and not reacting to the situation, that it probably would have turned out a whole lot better. I wouldn't have been chased down by this girl. And we probably would have had better feelings towards each other after. And I feel like um, that's the way we can react to a lot of situations is um, with the Lord even, um, that we can, like, have bad situations where people are maybe attacking us or doing something wrong to us, and we use the Lord as the last resort. We use him more as damage control, but we see David, 
look to the Lord first. He was like, no, like the Lord actually has this. And even like in the moment when it's so easy to be boiling mad and react, David didn't. He, he stood firm and he um, let the Lord handle it for him. Um, so my next point is David did not get offended with God or with man, um, especially with like the surrounding context with King David. He had really a lot going on and he had a lot of good reasons to be offended in many ways with this guy who's like cursing him and um and then the lord like david was like the lord's anointed king so he could have been like lord like what the heck i you made me king and now all these things are happening and i feel like i don't deserve this and you know he had like a list of things he could have been offended but he actually trusts the lord and you can tell that he has a built-up relationship where he knows the Lord is merciful and kind, and he's not offended with the Lord, and he knows that the Lord will take care of him even when all this stuff is happening. Um, and my third point, um, he didn't defend himself. He let God defend him. Um, this is a big one for me. I mean, if you see um, the guy who was cursing him, um, Shemei, he calls David a murderer, he calls him a scoundrel. He says he stole, he says that David stole Saul's throne, which if you have read through Samuel, you know that um, while Saul was a king, he was actually like trying to kill David throughout his reign. And God handed over Saul many times that David could have killed him and he had nothing but mercy for him. He never touched him. He was never mean to him. Um, he always put it back in the Lord's hands and never hurt Saul. And then he also says that the Lord gave um, Abbas, Absalom his throne. And that, to me, that would plant, like, a lot of, like, doubt in my brain even. Like, oh, my gosh, like, the Lord's literally handing over all of this to my son because I have sinned, and that's what this guy is telling King David. Um, and, but the whole time he, whoops, um, the whole time, like, he's not really shaken. He, you can see that he has a built-up trust with the Lord and that he knows the Lord can handle our situations. And all of us have stuff that we're coming in here with. All of us have, you know, um, situations where people have wronged us or maybe someone's lied about you. Maybe someone has um, injured you. Maybe it was physical, like this guy's throwing rocks at them. But maybe it was more, like, emotional. Um, and all of us are coming in here with things. And... Um, we see David's pretty much like the poster child of how to handle situations um, where you feel wronged. And, and really, he was, he would have, if, if you would have read through this and you see that David did say, like, yeah, cut off his head. Like, I think all of us would just be like, okay, and just like skip past. But he really like shows us how we can walk out the Bible and how we can love our enemies. And, um, and really, I'm sure he didn't love the guy. But he really acted in love because he knew the Father's heart and he knew that he was loved and how much the Lord had had mercy on him throughout his life. Um, and one of the best um, examples of this I've had in my life was my grandfather. Um, he was falsely accused when I was quite young. And um, that ended up, that caused him to go to jail for two years and um, be on probation for seven. And one of the things um, that 
I really look up to my grandpa about is even though he had his freedom taken away, like he was free. Like you could tell he loved the Lord and he gave that situation to the Lord. And even though he was lied about and got his freedom taken away, he never was bitter about it. He never like talked down on the person who hurt him, who lied about him. And all throughout his life, he was just a man of God. And you would have never, we could tell that it affected him, but like he gave that situation to the Lord and really like gave the Lord control over it and let God be the judge. And so my last point is that David let God be the judge of the situation. In many ways, he could have like took control over the situation and been the judge, but he didn't. He could have let his servant um, cut off his head, and that's probably what I would have done, <laughs> you know, as king. Like, this guy's um, slandering the king, like, cut off his head, but no, he had mercy on him, and he gave God control over the situation and let him be the judge when it says, um, leave him alone, let him curse, for the Lord has told him to do it, and perhaps the Lord will see that I'm being wrong and will bless me because of these curses today. Like, he actually, even if the Lord, even if it was from the Lord, he, like, trusted the Lord to do that. He trusted that the Lord would take care of him, and he really put his trust fully in him. Um, so if you will close your eyes with me, um, we all have situations in our lives where, um, that are painful. We all are going to go through those seasons, and really, I think what we can get out of this story is that we can trust the Lord with our situations. We can trust him to be the judge. Um, and some of you, well, I've been speaking, have situations in your mind where you know that you haven't given the Lord um, control over the situation. You know that you've been wronged, and maybe you need to um, even just submit that to the Lord today. Um, for some of you, you've been offended by people, and maybe you have every right to be, but the Lord calls us to love our enemies. And um, and even pray for them. So maybe today it's just a simple act of just praying for those who have hurt you, just submitting that to the Lord. Um, so yeah, Lord, thank you so much. Thank you for your mercy. Thank you for your love, I ask. Today that you would even, um, that you would just show us how to love better, to love like David did in this, to um, defend those who are wronging us even. Um, you are so kind and merciful. Um, I ask that we all walk away trying to be more like you today. In Jesus' name, amen.